It's showtime! And now, if you'll come this way, I can show you our secret laboratory. You see, we invited distinguished scientists from all over the world to come and work here. Unfortunately, none of them showed up. I have a long proposal. It's very confusing. You are not the first to pass this way. Nor shall you be the last. Kanzo? Kanzo? What? Oh. Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry, boss. Hi ho, Kermit the Frog here, and welcome to WDW Radio. Your information station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your passport to the Disney parks, experiences, and more. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 771. And together, as we have been since 2004, I want to not only help you have the best possible vacation experience when you come to the Disney parks, but I also want to bring you a little bit of that Disney magic wherever you are. Here in the podcast, my weekly live video every Wednesday night blog, events, weekly newsletter, and more. You can join the community and conversation and find everything at www.radio.com. And this week, I invited you to join me on a journey through Disney history as we open up the latest edition of Disney A to Z, the official encyclopedia with my very special guest, Stephen Vagnini. You'll learn about his fascinating journey from the parks to the heart of the Walt Disney Archives and the challenges of making sure the encyclopedia remains comprehensive and up-to-date, especially amidst the ever-evolving and ever-changing Disney company. He also shares some great stories about working with Dave Smith and inside the archives and Imagineering and events. And then stay tuned for our Disney trivia question of the week where you can win a Disney prize package and updates at the end of the show. And if you like what you hear, please share the show and tell a friend. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Disney fans, whether of the parks, the movies, the people or places, were hungry, not just for her churros or popcorn, but I think to learn more about the who and the why and the how and the history and the mystery and certainly some of the magic. And if you thought or hoped that maybe a great big book of everything Disney, maybe you thought it didn't exist, then you need to get a copy of Disney A to Z, the one and only Disney Encyclopedia. And this week, I'm joined by the man who not only helped write the book, but is now responsible for maintaining its legacy, its accuracy, and completeness. He is someone whose career really reflects that deep commitment, I think, to doing what this book does, which is preserving and celebrating the history and legacy of the Walt Disney Company. So please welcome author, Historian, producer, researcher, writer, presenter, obvious wearer of many, many wonderful hats, and all around super nice guy, Mr. Stephen Vagnini. Lou, thank you so much for having me today. It's great to be here. It is. Uh, it is good to see you, Stephen. I, you know, I was thinking before today. I've known you for a really long time. We were chatting before we started recording about when that might have been. Uh, I remember. First meeting you in like in person, what way back when when you were with Dave um, back in again two thousand six seven. But I'm embarrassed that this is. I think this is the first time you've ever been on the show. 
It's the first time I've ever been on the show. Now, I, it's odd for me to be here because I've heard the show so many times. I've been such a big fan. So I was telling you before the show, it's it's bizarre to to sort of be here <laughs> with you. And I think it's just wonderful. And, you know, finally, this is great. Yeah, I mean, it took me all these years, honestly, to figure out exactly just to get up enough courage to ask you to come on. So I, I've been practicing for 19 years, just waiting for this um, one moment. Um, right. Again, we've we've encountered each other so many times. I've seen you speak at Destination D and D23 Expo. And a few years ago, you actually gave a presentation at one of our events, the, the Tower of Terror event. Um, and one of the things I've always loved about you is – I've always gotten the sense, Stephen, that you are a fan first and a fan always, and that genuine love of pa- and passion for what you do comes out in in every conversation that we've had, every encounter, and certainly whenever I, I see you on stage. Yeah, it certainly helps today go by fast, you know, when you love what you do. So I think, you know, obviously, I share a lot in common with you, with our audience. I think we all share a mutual love for for Disney, the brand, the company, our heritage, our legacy. Um, and I've been very blessed to be able to have the roles that I've had over the years to help preserve that. So whatever we can do to, you know, raise the curtain on some of that and sh- share a little bit of the insider knowledge of, you know, what it takes to to work at the Walt Disney Archives or to help participate in some of these books. I uh, know it's just a thrill for us to be able to share that with the world. So I want to before we get into the book itself, I want to I want to get into a little bit of the Stephen Vagnini origin story, because I think it, it's fascinating, this wonderful journey that you have been on. Uh, start at the beginning and just sort of give us a, a little synopsis of of where you got started, how and why, and some of the, the stops that you've made along the way with the company. Yeah, well, I always wanted to work for the company. I never really knew in what capacity. However, um, right out of high school, uh, immediately went to the Walt Disney World casting building and applied for a role at Walt Disney World. So being a Central Florida native, that was something that, you know, no question, turned 18, want to go go apply. And uh, immediately was cast in Adventureland attractions and was able to work at Pirates of the Caribbean, attractions like the Jungle Cruise, um, was also able to work in other Magic Kingdom locations like Hall of Presidents. Um, and all this was throughout my college career locally here in Florida. So uh, what a great way to begin working uh, with Disney, you know, then at our first major location here in Central Florida. And uh, incidentally, the year I became a cast member, we made our first trip out to California as a family. Passed by on the 134 freeway, the the Disney studio, we saw that water tower that said at the time, the Walt Disney Studios on it, and, you know, Mickey's holding the clapboard. And I thought, wait a second, I'm a cast member now. I wonder if I can visit the studio. And and by the way, policies have changed since, you know, once upon a time, so I like to just drop in. But at the time, as a cast member, I was able to visit, bring my family along, and that's when we met the staff of the archives as one of the locations open to visitors, in our case, you know, cast and, and guests. And I noticed, you know, some of the material that were stacked up on the various desks in the archives, some material was coming in from Walt Disney World. And I, you know, asked the question um, to to Becky, who was there, and to Dave Smith, who was there, and, and these folks are like legends, you know, folks I never thought I'd be able to meet. And um, I asked, well, are you receiving, you know, this item from Walt Disney World or, or this Castle Republication that we have in the Utilidor at the Magic Kingdom? And they said, oh no, we don't, we don't really get those. And so I said, well, they belong in the archives. You should, you should make sure to get them. So, you know, after I visited with them, got to learn a little bit more about about the team, would regularly send material over to California to have. And I, th- I think they appreciated that. Now, 
Dave Smith came to town um, with with a few colleagues to present, I think, on the Disney Vacation Club member cruise. And when he let me know that, I said, well, you should check out all these new things on property, right? There's these brand new exhibits over at Epcot and X, Y, and Z. And and so just maintaining a relationship with the group um, led to natural interactions. You know, I wasn't looking for a job. I was, you know, a, a, a happy pirate of the Caribbean. Um but about a year later, an internship opportunity opened with the archives, and it was one of the first internships in probably a few decades. Um, and incidentally, um, one of the staff members, longtime staff member who had left, was knee-deep in research and on filing Disney parks, specifically Walt Disney World-related history, uh, organizing the news clippings, um, a lot of material that had come in or that needed um, some organization. And so Having had a str- having demonstrated um, a strong knowledge of the parks and having established a a genuine relationship with the team, um, I was able to begin that internship. And for the next four summers, would transfer between Walt Disney World and the archives, and be able to help out um, with a variety of things and and you know learn from the best. Right, learn firsthand from Dave how the archives is organized, what types of materials the archives keeps, how do you properly take care of them? Um, And around this time, the archives was under new senior leadership and was beginning a brand new exhibitions program. Uh, Soon would launch, you know, programs like D23, uh, would eventually inherit programs like the Disney Legends program. So there is quite a bit of growth on the staff, growth in the size of the collections, and a lot of help was needed. Um, and then in 2010, Dave Smith retired full-time from the company, although he did stay on as uh, uh, archivist emeritus uh, for many, um, let me say that again, as chief archivist emeritus for many years. And uh, some full-time roles became open, and that's when I joined the archive staff full-time. Um, so that, that's how I became associated with the department. Um, I led the research team for several years. We helped support a variety of projects, as you might imagine, you know, the archives is pretty popular within the Walt Disney Company. Uh, try to think of a company that looks to its past more than Disney does. You know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, you know, that came out in 1937. We're still doing new park entertainment, merchandise, live action feature adaptations coming out soon. So uh, that makes a group like the archives even more important as time goes on uh, in terms of preserving and, and being a resource for the legacy of Disney. Um, and so... Uh, Sort of as a side gig, I would help produce events that the archives was associated with. So, for example, Destination D, I think the first one I was really involved with in terms of a lot of on-site support and helping to to curate the content was the Walt Disney World 40th event mm-hmm. in 2011. And I know I saw you there, Lou, and yeah. we, we pulled off quite a bit <laughs> at that event and celebrating, I think, the largest gathering of uh, Disney legends at a company event who had participated in the Florida Project Um you know, and so that was that was a real thrill, and and these sorts of events became you know uh, a little bit more uh, enhanced over the years. There was more opportunities that were seen, and eventually my role transitioned over to D twenty three to focus primarily on the production of those types of fan engagements um, through the D twenty three live events website, uh, gifts, etc. Um, then a few years later, a new opportunity became open with Walt Disney Imagineering, and this was with the Walt Disney Imagineering Show Awareness Team. And that is a group that, uh, that I was about to give you the archives mission statement, uh, but the missions are, are somewhat similar. Uh, at, at Imagineering um, Show Awareness, it's all about archiving and documenting the themes, the plots and stories um, of our attractions, resort hotels, you know, anything that Imagineering produces in Florida that includes Walt Disney World Resort and Disney Cruise Line. 
and packaging that into programs, educational materials, tours, um, other resources for Imagineers and anyone who needs to engage with Imagineering storytelling. Um, and that was a role that was absolutely a thrill to be a part of. Gary Landrum really was the Imagineer who invented that role, essentially, having done it for more than 20 years. He recently retired um, after, goodness, you know, more than 40 years with the company. And uh, what a legacy he has as well. So learning from Gary, learning from Dave, learning from Becky Klein, these are all incredible people with such passion and skill. Um, and more recently, um, as of last year, transferred back to the archives, but from Central Florida. So I'm still based here in Orlando, um, but to be able to support a variety of archives projects, that includes things like Disney 100, the exhibition, which is our largest exhibition yet at 15,000 square feet, uh, to supporting our research team, which I used to be a part of in Burbank, um, to a variety of new projects and efforts that are underway since the archive staff has evolved so much in terms of our scope of work. Um, so we're excited to have a, a physical presence in Florida officially for the first time um, alongside my colleague, Kevin M. Kern, uh, who's also a incredible Disney author, historian, presenter, all the things that you just shared about me, Lou, uh, that is that is Kevin as well. And, and he's based here full-time as our regional manager. So um, it's great to have a presence locally to be able to help facilitate so many of the needs that we have from a historical standpoint, um, where so many Walt Disney World and other folks from the company have a presence. So I think that sort of sums it up. <laughs> so so let me just get this straight, Stephen. You, you worked at Walt Disney World you worked at the archives, you worked under Dave Smith, you worked for D23, you worked for Imagineering. My question to you is, when are you going to finally start to apply yourself and really, you know, really make your parents proud? You, that is, I mean, you sort of touched the, like the hallmark locations of the company, right? You've been able to sort of experience and learn from and contribute to like the pillars of the company, right? And, and and I say that with like the utmost admiration and respect for what you've done and, and what, first of all, not only do you maybe have the most perfect like career for like a nerd like me, but I love the fact that it started, it goes back to what I said earlier, like it started from your love of Disney. You were curating things in Walt Disney World before you were sort of asked to do so is almost sort of the impression I got from it because there was no, right. There was no sort of archives at Walt Disney world itself. Like you were sort of taking this on your own and created this relationship with the archives that led to this incredible journey. Well, I, I think it goes back to, you know, when you think about passion and how, how valuable that is, you know, in my case, it was realizing that, yes, there are things that should be preserved and, let's just make it happen. So I guess that natural drive, you know, led to a very natural organic relationship and then was really the, the launching point for my career personally. And I, I think that's something that I think anyone can take with them that, you know, when you apply, you know, what drives you to what interests you, um, that's an unstoppable combination in many respects. Um, so first of all, I'm very blessed for it. You know, there's a bit of, of that, there's a bit of luck and there's a bit of timing, right? Timing is so much of it when opportunities, you know, meet needs and, um, and skills. Um, so, you know, I'm very blessed to have been part of those, I guess, three umbrellas of the company, if you will. And I, I think you're right from a Disney fan perspective, um, they're appealing because they, they tie into so much of, of the product that we're all naturally drawn to. So um, I'm humbled to be sitting here with you and I'm humbled to have had the experiences I've had. 
For those of you who can't actually get out to the archives, I think you should just open up your house for I can only imagine now I want to see what your garage and your, you know, quote unquote, we don't have basements in Florida, but I want to see like the Stephen Vagnini archives and the things you've been collecting over the years. Um well- I'll tell you this. We have, we have a rule in the archives is we don't hire collectors, right? Because we're an archive department. That's a conflict of interest. So, so I am not a collector, (laughs) but, but I, I, you know, it's all about, okay, what needs to be preserved properly? So, um, so that's, that's one little thing I want to (laughs) note. So from a fan perspective, though, I'm sure you've walked into the archives and, and I need to touch on that, too, because we all sort of imagine, you know, walking into the Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, giant warehouse to a certain degree, which you know, metaphorically sort of is. Did you ever see something and be like, oh, this is the thing? Not that I ever would, but if I could, this is the thing I would love to sort of put on display in my home office. <laughs> I would never display it in my home office, but what <laughs> I would do is try to get it exhibited and touring the world for people to see, right? Because, you know, sure, I could look at something across my office here or millions of people could see it. And one of those is more exciting to me. Um, and I think that's what the archive staff shares as a passion is how, how, how do we help to tell and share more about our legacy? Because to your point, you know, there's a lot in the archives. We have, you know, more than 9,000 9, boxes of material, tens of thousands of objects from costumes, ride vehicles, props from TV shows, you know, millions of documents. So, so there's a lot, but I think, you know, Ross asked that question a lot. Do you have a favorite item in the archives? And for me, you know, I think it tends to be the items that tie back to Walt Disney and Roy Disney, the men, right. The, the, the co-founders of the company, because there's material that go back to, you know, Walt's childhood, you know, Walt's youth, there's Disney family material that goes back to the 1850s. So it's pretty cool stuff. Um, but you know, for me, it's like, what are, what are those items where you get a really big smile on your face when you encounter it? And, and for me, I have to go back to a moment when I was, um, sitting in the back room where our offices are and in, in, at the Disney studio, um, where the archives is located. And, uh, one of the archives, uh, managers at Ovalle, who's been with the department since 2006, I think, um, which is when I got, got involved with the archives as well. You know, he came across something one day and it totally blew his mind and he, he showed it to us and, we said, wow, where did you find this? And it was a brass badge that said Disneyland on it, and it had the number one on it. Mm. It was Walt Disney's number one name tag. You know, before they were name tags, they had your employee number, as they were called back then, right? So Walt was number one. And these brass badges would be worn until the 60s when they became actual name tags. But, you know, famously, Walt showed this uh, employee badge off on one of the wonderful World of Color episodes, which was the Disneyland 10th anniversary show. He says, I'm, you know, employed employee number one um and we were all amazed by it and and ed went to go show dave and they said oh yeah that you know it's, it's, <laughs> of, of course that's that's been there for decades but but you know when you have nine thousand boxes you know no one can see everything in the collection for you know no matter how long you work in the archives it's ever growing and there there's so much so it's sort of those little moments of discoveries and anecdotes that for me kind of warm my heart of um of how they're discovered. And the great thing is, you know, that badge is now on display as part of our Disney 100 exhibition. So the fact that, you know, folks across the nation can get up close to it and and see Walt's badge is really the fulfilling part um, that goes back to those moments of rediscovery. Um, as well, you know, having worked on site on many of the deinstallation for our parks projects, you know, Mickey's Toontown closed um, in 2010, I believe. Uh, we had... Um, 
Snow White Scary Adventures a couple years later. These are ones where I was able to participate in the on-site salvage of items that we felt should be part of the archives collection. So, you know, you have a special place in your heart for things that you you see being saved and that you can help preserve um, for fans to be able to enjoy in the future. Um, so those types of things really excite me, I think. So there's two things. There's a lot. There's so much I want to ask. I, I love the fact that your sincere answer was so generous, right? I don't want to take something for myself. I want to be able to show even more to more people. And I know that you had a hand in doing that, sort of helping to sort of open up the velvet ropes and, and allow people to see more and experience more from the archives. And I also love that you talked about Dave Smith. Um, I had a chance to, to meet and, uh, Dave a number of times. I remember going on, I think it was an Adventures by Disney trip to the archives eons ago, one of the first group trips that we did. And we were in sort of that that outer office and Dave comes out and he's presenting to everybody and he takes this little cage and he's showing this little cage with a bird inside and just, you know, talk, you know, not passing it around, but showing it around to everybody. And he's like, oh, this is it. This is the bird. This is the animatronic bird. And I'm like, my God, man, what are you doing? Like, put on gloves, put it like this should be like. But it was just so it was just one of the things that he loved and appreciated and wanted to show people. And for us, seeing something like that, that was so iconic and such an important part of Disney history. And not that it was, but it almost seemed relatively pedestrian to him because he's seen and experienced so much. Yep. And it's amazing, too, because every item tells a story. And, you know, we could be talking all day and not scratch the surface of even a a handful of amazing objects in the archives. And that, that was a great thing about Dave, too, is, you know, it was all in his head, right? You know, he created, right, he established the first archive for a major entertainment company that quickly became a model among all the corporate archives. Um, and he shepherded that, you know, for 40 years with the company. And so the amount of institutional knowledge about the archives is obvious, right? He collected these things physically. He knew where these items came from. He maintained great documentation on it, but the knowledge about the history itself, you know, it's really remarkable. So we're very grateful that, you know, he was able to, to reflect on his history through so many interviews that he's done. He did a great interview with you. Um, I think around the time that he retired, Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, put on paper, a lot of that knowledge that he has, um, truly invaluable. What about for you, you know, looking back, I can only imagine how much you got to experience because of and and for and with him. But what do you think for you was the most valuable lesson that you learned from working with Dave or that he imparted to you? Yeah, this is, I don't know, it's, it's sort of an odd answer, but I was amazed at how responsive Dave was. And anyone who I think who's written to Dave, you probably got mm-hmm. a typed, signed letter back or an email back. And it wasn't just, you know, a couple weeks or a couple months later, usually he would respond same day. And I think this applies to any of us, you know, in, in a, in a professional setting, um, is the importance of that interaction. Cause I find myself, you know, on many levels trying to keep up, but he always managed to do it. And I think he put people first, he put folks who are passionate, he put fellow employees you know, first, he, he knew the importance, not just of the treasures of the archives, but the value of the information that the archives held and the need to share that. Um, and so he really was, I think, a servant to the Disney fan community through his Ask Dave column, through that correspondence. Um, 
his ability to partner with so many groups to get that information out there um, on a day-to-day basis, working with fellow employees. You know, I, I think that responsiveness and that servant leadership, if you will, is something that has really stuck with me. I always loved and appreciated, and I don't know how to sort of, Dave really, because he was the face of, he he humanized, right, the, the archives, and he was so approachable, like you said, and relatable. Um, before, again, I, man, I could talk to you all day long about this. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about too is, you, you know, you went from the archives, again, you get to work at and for and with Imagineering and only imagining the things that you got to see, but there you were a, what's called a show awareness producer, correct? And, and part of your responsibility was not just collecting and curating items and memorabilia and ephemera, but you were curating the stories behind the parks and resorts and experience, which I think is, is so important. It's not just about the piece of paper or the item, but the stories behind it and the people behind it. Can you talk just a little bit about your experience there? Yeah. So if you think about it, we're all about storytelling. You know, there's not a single person who works for the Walt Disney Company who doesn't have a role to play in the telling of a story to an audience. And at Imagineering and at the Disney Parks, stories are obviously so important. And we tell it in so many different ways. So in show awareness, the the work that we did really involves curating that information because we have amazing show writers. We have amazing story editors. Uh, we have folks who uh, do the best at, at, in the business in terms of lighting design, graphics, you name it. There's more than 120 disciplines at Imagineering. And the design intent behind every one of those disciplines is essentially documented. So when you look at an amazing new attraction like Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind or a new resort like Disney's Riviera Resort, you're talking about hundreds of Imagineers and project managers and partners across Walt Disney World and beyond who bring those to life. With that, you know, there's an importance to document the why. You know, why did we design it the way we did in terms of sound, what we hear, uh, in terms of special effects, in terms of color, in terms of any of these subjects, um, so that in the future, should there need to be um, a change to the show, maybe there needs to be a refurbishment, maybe there needs to be a tour that's given of the park, we have accurate information um, about all those different disciplines to make sure the story is told accurately and with integrity. Um, and I think, you know, whether it's the work that I do at the archives or the work that I did at Imagineering, it all sort of aligns with preserving that design intent, preserving that history so that that accuracy and that integrity can move forward. Um, so at Imagineering, this took the form of hundreds of thousands of hours of interviews that have been amassed over the years, um, many tours that have been written, uh, many programs that have been given to cast members and to guests, and to speaking uh, with groups like yours about in that case, it was the Hollywood Tower Hotel story, uh, because there's many different versions of these stories that you might find online or that might be shared among fan communities. Uh, but typically, there's one correct story, and we're excited to be able to, where possible, make sure that the correct stories are shared um, for a variety of reasons. And that's what I love, the fact that that you and the archives and D23, I think the company as a whole over the last number of years, really has sort of decided we want to share these stories, right? There might not, quote unquote, be this great big book of Imagineering, but you curate these stories and you you authenticate them, you verify them, and then you share them with us. And, and to that end, let's maybe talk about the encyclopedia itself. All 
1,002 pages, and it, this is about seven pounds or so. This is this is um, this is not a, a pocketbook by any stretch of the imagination. But it's not it's not quote unquote just an an encyclopedia because it's filled with you know stories and biographies and achievements and and dates and you know I look I started out as you know a trivia guy like writing my first trivia book, so I love the amazing tidbits of trivia and and anecdotes that are in here. This is the sixth edition um, that includes everything, not just from the theme parks, but, you know, ABC and Disney television, Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilm. I mean, the company umbrella that you referred to uh, earlier has grown wider. It's grown deeper. Um, you know, when we talk about encyclopedias, it's funny when I, when I got this, I'm like, Oh, I remember physical encyclopedias. I remember having these on my shelf. And, you know, there's something, there's something Stephen, about having a physical book in your hand, I think, that just can't be replicated by reading online. And what I love about this, too, is it's as much, I think, a collectible um, as it is a reference resource. So I want to go through all of the entries one by one. Let's start with the first. Willie Ames from Runaway on the Rogue River. I can't, of course, but um, talk to me just a little bit uh, about the book itself. And I want to talk to you really about some of the things that that you do, because you this is a huge, like, I'm going to assume almost overwhelming role and responsibility. And probably I have to imagine a lot of pressure when you sort of take this project over and stepping into such huge shoes. Yeah, and and really quick, I want to take a quick step back and and just comment on the importance of having a, a physical book in your hands. It it makes tangible the information, right? You can hold in your hand Disney history, which I just think is the coolest thing, and that's what I found amazing about this encyclopedia. You know, even going back to the first edition in 1996. So so with that, you know, this is a tribute to Dave Smith, right? He founded the archives. He was obviously a, a mentor, a great friend. You know, when he passed away, sadly, in 2019, it was a tremendous loss to our, you know, the whole Disney community, not just fans, but across the company and to so many of us personally. Um, and so the question became, you know, what will become of the encyclopedia? But we knew exactly what Dave wanted, which was that this would continue to evolve and grow as the company did. Um, so the reason I got involved with Disney A to Z um, as an author uh, was based on the prior two editions, editions four and five, which were released, I think, in 2015 and 2016. And these were ones where, you know, Dave had uh, the opportunity through Disney Publishing, which makes all this possible. Huge kudos and thanks to Wendy Lefcon and Jenny Spoon mm -hmm. and all the team at Disney Publishing that is a champion and a supporter of A to Z. Um, it's all about, you know, ensuring that this book is always available as a resource um, to anyone who needs it. It could be a fan, it could be a researcher, it could be a journalist, it could be a cast member. Um, there's so many reasons why we would need to have Disney information at our fingertips. I'm sure you especially, <laughs> based on, on your role. Um, uh, but with that, I had the opportunity um, to closely work with Dave on those prior two editions. And it was essentially going cover to cover for each one and looking through the thousands of entries and trying to determine what's in need of an update, what should the updates be, what new entries are needed to bring this book up to date. And like you said, Lou, it is not just the parks, it is the entire enterprise and it goes to studio, TV, consumer products, uh, and beyond. So with that, you know, Dave asked me at the end of the, the, our work on the fifth edition, if I would be interested in keeping it up, which 
floored me. First of all, I said, Dave, you have many more editions in your future. And, and sure enough, Dave did continue working on the book um, all the way on, until the end. You know, He would work on the online supplement. So just as a quick side note, a lot of the entries that you'll find in this new edition, Dave, Dave wrote that were not previously written before, which I think is very special. Mm. But all of us knew that the book needed uh, to continue just as Dave wanted it to. Tremendous support from the publishing team, tremendous support from my leader, Becky Klein, from the archive staff, including Kevin Kern, on the, on, who's my cohort out here. And um, this was obviously, like you said, a lot of pressure because you want this to live up to you know, Dave's name. You want Dave to be proud of this because this is his legacy. So we took it very seriously. You know, What's the approach that we take? Um, how do we incorporate the profound changes that have taken place at the company? Things like Disney Plus, right? Mm-hmm. You have an entirely new form of entertainment that previously Dave never really had in this book. You know, streaming is new essentially for the company um, when it comes to this new edition. So with that, uh, we had to make a lot of choices where we put on our Dave hat. You mentioned a lot of hats. There's a Dave hat that we try <laughs> to put on saying, what would Dave do? Um, and in this case, we worked very closely. And I think having had that tremendous experience working with them on the nitty gritty of those prior two editions, that, that was a crash course in how to keep this book updated. So really understanding what warrants a new entry, mm-hmm. what what do you not include in the book? That's just as important. We have a very finite page count. Um, how do you write these entries? What information is more important or less important? Um, and how does that apply to TV, to parks, to film? Because mm-hmm. uh, all those entries are written uniquely and differently. And so I think as a team, all of us who had a role to play in this book, I think are, are, are very proud of all the effort that went into it to make sure that it followed Dave's criteria, that followed his cadence when it came to this. You know, I would often write entries for him for these other editions, and he would come back with his notes and his rewrites. And we applied all that thinking into it to make sure it, that Dave would be proud of it, that it would be something that he would want. Um, and so in it, you will find 6,500 updates since the last edition. <laughs> That's updates to existing entries, plus more than 2,000, on top of that, additional entries of not just new content, right? The company's grown. There's more to add to the encyclopedia, new park attractions, a new cruise ship, Broadway shows, members of the boards of directors. Um, but because this was the centennial, we thought it was very special to be able to pack more into the 100-year anniversary edition, the centennial edition, as I lovingly call it. Um, and so we went in and we did things like enhance our Disney Legends biographies. There's more information about legends who've been in the book since the beginning. Uh, we have for the first time, you know, descriptions of all the Oswald cartoons. They all had entries, but for the first time you get the descriptions of the plot. But then even at the Disney parks, we really went back and added in shops, restaurants, attractions, characters, songs that had not been in the encyclopedia previously going back to 1955 Disneyland, all the way to, I think, every single shop now that Disney owned and operated at the Lake Buena Vista Shopping Village, all the way to Disney Springs. Um, That's part of the 2000 entry. So we went in and added more of what's new, obviously, but more uh, information as well that taps into 100 years of content to really make this as complete of an, as an, let me say it again, to really make this as complete of an update as possible. I'm literally, I'm like, I'm sweating just thinking about the overwhelm of how do you, all the questions, the the somewhat rhetorical questions that you asked are all the questions that I and and we have. How do you make those decisions? How do you go about finding out? How do you make sure that it's complete and accurate? How do you decide 
what can't make it in that somebody is invariably going to go, Stephen, how did you not include, you know, such this this obscure reference from, you know, 1956? Because you when I sort of think about the overwhelm, I'm trying to sort of it, it's this ensuring that it's as complete as it can be, that it it's it's not just accurate. But the other thing, too, I mean, sort of forgetting about including what content, right? Deciding what you have a finite number of words and pages to include. But I love the fact that the book is detailed. It's complete. It's thorough, but it's also, it's very accessible, right? It's so you're, how do you sort of go about ensuring that the information is accurate? It's as complete as it can be, but you also make it very engaging for a very wide spectrum of an audience that's going to be reading the book as well. That is a great question. And, you know, that's what Dave was able to achieve with these prior five editions. And that's what we're modeling off of. So in terms of accuracy, you know, the great thing about this book is all the information is sourced from verified company sources or company personnel. So we go to original source material to find it, um, which is why we always recommend going to a resource like A to Z when anyone's looking up a fact we know it comes from the company um, or from the folks who worked for the company. And if you go to the back, there's a whole acknowledgements page, which thanks the hundreds and hundreds of people who we had to reach out to, to verify information or to, to complete much of the information that, you know, needed to be updated. Um, But it is about distilling that into fewer words, right? You know, we're not going to tell the entire plot descriptions for all the films because we have entries for all the films and all the shorts and all the TV shows. Um, that, that are that are from, say, ABC Signature or Disney Channel, for instance. Um, but it is uh, looking at sort of what what is that basic information that we think someone would want to have at their fingertips. It's going to be a plot description. It's going to be a running time. It's going to be uh, the major actors and the characters they played. Um, but in addition to that, you know, you want to include as many fun facts as you can, because perhaps someone wants to come up with a list of, say, trivia questions. Maybe maybe there's someone here who writes Disney trivia books and enjoys doing that. Um, well, we want to include as much accurate, uh, fun information as well sprinkled in. So wherever we can, we like to add in those little tidbits. And what I love is there's so much Dave in this book when it comes mm-hmm. to that. And what I mean by that is whenever, you know, I had a chance to visit the parks with Dave or chat about Disney history which for many years was every day working in the archives. Um, he would make these little asides about his favorite attraction or an architectural error that he noticed at the park or that an Imagineer might've told him once. And these sort of greatest hits are all in the book, right? He has, he has a little note under America Sings, which many of you will know was a long, a favorite attraction at, at Disneyland in Tomorrowland. That, that was one of Dave's favorites. And in it, Dave writes, America Sings was fondly remembered by many guests. Well, what, what he means by that is I loved America Sings, right? That's sort of his way to be a great show or was a great show. Um, and, you know, you, you want to keep as much of Dave in this as you can. But but for the most part, it is the raw facts. And that's really what this is intended to be is is the raw information. We, we don't want to make it fancy. We want to make it accessible. And um, that way anyone can have, you know, at their fingertips as much Disney knowledge as we can pack in it. Again, I can't help, and I have to imagine that I am not alone. Where, you know, you wake up one day and you you walk into the Raiders of the Lost Ark room in the archives, and you either fire up the Dewey Decimal System where you go, "Listen, uh, show me everything you have on the black hole, uh, the Safari Club arcade," um, you know, and and 
Willie Ames. <laughs> this, you know, the, 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 the challenges that I have to imagine in, again, all those things that you're trying to do. But so what are some of the, you know, obviously maybe the, from other than some of the obvious ones we think of, what are some of the challenges that, that you run into other than trying to be succinct or, or trying to maybe find that in, little bit of information that is maybe more difficult to track down, especially from the early years when maybe records weren't kept as accurate or, you know, things may have gotten, God forbid, thrown away. Yeah. You know, those most recent examples are ones that are obvious challenges, you know, and thankfully Dave has covered the early history in this book quite well, you know, going back to 1996, by the way, we still are finding opportunities to incorporate early history. We have a new entry on just the Kansas city star. And this is a quick Mm -hmm. aside. You know, that was the uh, the newspaper where Elias Disney, Walt's dad, owned a distributorship um, when they lived in Kansas City, Missouri, and Walt would deliver the papers. Well, there's some incredible information that came to light about Disney's association with the Kansas City Star. And we thought, that's such a great fact. Let's put in that entry in the book. So, again, this isn't just what's new. We're putting in what's old as well. That's new, right, for many of us. So, so yes, there are challenges that come with tapping into that. But, you know, thankfully, there are many resources that... Dave created that Becky and the team have been able to keep up and grow and enhance that offer insight into those early years, obviously picking up the phone for, for, for many of those story creators or longtime Disney legends who can help answer questions for us. Um, but in terms of maintaining the book, it, it, it is quite a challenge in the sense that, you know, you have close to 10,000 entries. And once you write an entry, you know, the entry isn't sealed. That entry could easily be outdated with the next edition. So you quite literally have to go entry by entry to make sure did this actor appear in more films or television shows or streaming specials since the last publication? Um, Did this shop um, on the other side of the world in one of our Disney parks uh, close permanently, right? So, So there's a lot that goes into it on many different levels based on the diversity of the worlds of Disney and how you access that information because we're growing every day and we're evolving every day. And that means thousands of these, thousands of these entries are going to, uh, in theory, have to be updated on a daily basis. In some cases, thankfully it's going to be a little bit until the next edition goes to print. (laughs) Um, But what you're looking at is essentially a complete update from the last edition where, you know, we might've acquired a company, um, two decades ago that maybe uh, has evolved, you know, that needs to be updated too. So, so every entry has to be looked at. So uh, it's an issue of resources and time. Um, and that's why we're so thrilled that, that, it, that it's finished, right. That it's out there um, because now everyone can have access to that update. And essentially it's updated through March of 2023. So you have October, 1923 to March of 2023 represented, oh. which is uh, an, an exciting <laughs> It it is it it's it's mind blowing to think about that, but uh, you know, quickly touch on this idea of not just finding new information about things that have happened in the past, but how do you approach the? My, I, there's no word flames from the side of my face. You it's you have this constant addition of new Disney content. But how do you handle the inclusion of new Disney properties? Like when you get a phone call one day, oh, by the way, we just acquired tw- 20th Century Fox. Have at it. Go. Like, I can't imagine you hang up your phone and just put your head in your hands. I'm sure you're excited about the opportunity, but, you know, these are, there's multiple companies that sort of fall under the umbrella. And now you really are tasked with not just Disney history, but 
there's Pixar and there's Lucasfilm and now 20th Century Fox. Yeah. I think one of the things that helps us a lot, again, look, looking to how Dave handled it and, and really looking at what his mission was for the encyclopedia, you know, his uh, perspective on it always was including the content created by Disney, meaning anything created since the acquisition. So when you look at something like, you know, 20th century, for instance, you're looking at a history that begins with the acquisition in terms of what Disney is creating. It is Disney A to Z, right? Um, so in that case, that was the criteria that Dave set that at least was able to narrow down our history. We weren't having to go create entries for films and amazing TV properties and so much else that goes back. Dave was, for, Dave was like, a smart man. Dave was a very <laughs> well, I don't think they published the book. It'd be big. So, um, so in that case, um, you know, we have an entry on 20th century. We have an entry on every one of the major brands and companies that was part of that acquisition. Primarily, we focus on the Disney brand and the different properties that you see associated with the Disney name that tends to align more with, say, our Lucasfilm properties. You find those well um, as part of our park experiences. Same with Marvel Studios, obviously with Pixar. You look at acquisitions of the 90s, things like maybe the Miramax films, not as much. And so so we looked at how Dave handled that acquisition. So I, I think what we've done with this book is very much handle it the way that we feel Dave would have. And by the way, this was hundreds of hours of conversing with folks like Becky and Kevin and another one of our amazing senior editors, Jim Vanning, who, who helped us so much with this edition, making it a reality, um, to uh, address all that evolution in a way that made sense for the encyclopedia. So you will find an entry that uh, lists out every single essentially 20th century, searchlight, et cetera, feature that is separate from the Disney list um, to keep those brands separated, right? Separate distribution deals and such. And um, we're excited to feature it in there, um, but in a way that we feel Dave Dave would have wanted. Disney Plus was another big one, right? We have the world of streaming. And so uh, you'll find entries for every Disney Plus original show and series. Um, you'll find, of course, an entry on the streaming service itself. Um, but that also affects our feature films list from the Walt Disney Studios, there are, are films created by the studio for Disney Plus. So that requires so many different entries um, to be affected by that uh, in an exciting way. Um, those are just two examples, right? Um, but there's been so much in the past seven years that, you know, it's definitely a, a refresh in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, what I, what I, you know, I think sometimes you hear encyclopedia, we think, you know, for those of us that used to have encyclopedias, it was sort of the, place that you had to go when your book report was due the next day, when you had to sort of find information. What I, what I love about this specifically is I sort of call it the joy of randomness, right? How you can sort of just flip open to any page and you can find new information out just by flipping through the book. You don't have to sort of read it from, you cannot read this from beginning to end. Trust me, I tried. Um, I'm still stuck on Willie Ames. <laughs> but, you know, for you, is there, I can't ask you the favorite child question, but I want to ask you the favorite child question. I'm going to ask you the favorite child question. When you're putting the book together, is there this one entry you're like, oh, this is just gold right here. This is the one that I want to make sure people see because it's either personal to you because you just love how the entry came together or you just feel feel that it's one of those like it's the the, the treasure in this treasure trove of information <laughs> that's a great question i i don't think i, I let me let me let me start <laughs> i probably enjoy most what i like to call the subject entries so it's not based on a specific 
film release or park attraction or individual, but rather it's it's based on a subject. So for instance, Dave had an entry that we added, oh goodness, maybe in the fourth edition, all about Walt's aircraft, because we know the story of Walt's plane, right? That amazing jet that he, you know, searched for the the land here in Florida, right? Um, Walt had many aircraft, so there's an entry dedicated just to Walt's uh, different aircraft and when they were in service and such. Um, those types of entries are fun because it includes um, a little bit more story in the way that the entry is presented. And so that inspired us to create a few more that we thought, you know, here's some subjects that maybe readers would find interesting or might have questions about. So we have an entry all about Walt's offices now. So if you go to offices, comma, Walt Disney's, there you're able to find, you know, the fact that Walt had two offices. He had a working office and he had a formal office where he entertained visitors. Um, what's the difference between those offices? Uh, where did those offices travel to when they were displayed over the years? When did they come back to the studio? And when were they restored and dedicated by Bob Iger? Um, and so entries like that, I think, are helpful because it gives you a quick snapshot over an extended period of time um, of a continuous story. So you'll find several of those now added where, where we felt it made sense. Um, so that's just one example. Um, another great opportunity is to honor many of the individuals who have made a significant impact on the company. So we feature entries on all the Disney legends, right? The names that have officially been designated and given the Disney Legends Awards uh, honor. Um, but also many other longtime artists, animators, Imagineers, executives, and leaders uh, who have made a significant impact on the company as well. So you'll find more entries on many of those key personnel who tend to have a very public presence so that, you know, a general reader who wants to learn more about, say, Kevin Rafferty, who's an incredible longtime Imagineer who, who recently retired. Um, Mark Henn just retired um, this year, as you might have seen. Um, so, so many of these individuals, but but even celebrities like Brenda Song, just notable stars that have been in so many Disney properties, um, are definitely deserving of entries. And obviously, uh, that's an amazing opportunity for us to make this book even more robust by featuring as many names as possible. So that's another one that I'm especially excited about. And and Steve, is there's a um, there's there's a companion. There's a digital sort of companion website to the encyclopedia that exists online. Yeah. So the, the physical copy of the encyclopedia sort of complements the digital resources available and, and vice versa. Yes. Um, around uh, 2014 or so, uh, d23.com did launch an online version of A to Z. It's, it's a different format. Primarily, it drew from that edition. And, and Dave um, and I would be submitting updates for that over time. As we look to the centennial edition, Currently, the only place you can find all this information is in physical form. So yes, online, we will be updating it. You'll, you'll be seeing it available online at some point. But if you want the most up-to-date information, if you want all the new entries, the only place to go at this moment in time um, is by picking up your physical copy, which I think is exciting. I think you know having it at your fingertips, like I said earlier, is pretty cool. Um, but definitely stay tuned. Um, we'll eventually have those updates online as well. Yeah, and what, you know because I think this obviously ties so closely with, with the archives. We've talked about how it's letting fans not just peek behind the curtain, but sort of lifting those metaphorical velvet ropes. Um, I think you've been such a big part of that evolution of, of the archives and the access to the information. What do you sort of hope will, what do you hope the, the, the impact maybe of something like the encyclopedia has not just on researchers, but, but Disney fans as well. Yeah. Well, you know, in many respects, I could probably just look back to 
my excitement looking at this book for the first time as I was growing up, right? And to be able to open my mind to whole new worlds of Disney in this case, um, there are parts of the company I never knew existed that simply by flipping through this book, reading a random entry, reading a random fact, it totally sent me down a rabbit hole on you name the subject, right? There's so many. So my hope is that anyone looking at this, first of all, finds this book to be a good resource to them, that it helps them as readers, as fans, as researchers, and whatever it is they need the information for. Um, but also that they gain you know, new knowledge and inspiration as well, right? Because there are so many stories about the people who made this company what it is. Their stories are in here. Um, there are worlds to unlock through any entry. Um, and I think that's a very exciting prospect. Um, so hopefully folks will get a lot out of this. Hopefully it'll continue to be an up-to-date resource that uh, folks will continue to be interested in. And hopefully it'll spark you know more fandom, but in, enhance your fandom as well as you learn even more about the company. I've learned so much just going through what Dave wrote over these many decades in this book. Um, and hopefully it'll have the same effect for many others. Yeah, I know just doing what I said earlier, just sort of popping it open to a random page and finding something that that sparked a memory that I hadn't thought of in years and that sense of nostalgia. And, you know, the thing that the reason why we love Disney, right? We don't just like Disney. We love the Disney. We use that word very affectionately is because of the way Disney makes us feel, right? I think that that no other company, no other brand does the same way. It's why we have such loyalty to it. And I think one of the things that this does is it allows us to reach back and, and touch on that, not just to learn, but to sort of have some of those motions again and also see, you know, a big picture of um, the, the company itself. And look, I said this at the outset, I will say it again. If you're just listening to the audio version of this, everything that you talked about, these, these, the facts, you, you, Stephen Bagnini, you are a walking encyclopedia. Um, it's what I love and appreciate you. And, and when I, talk to you now when I see you up on stage or just we we happen to pass each other at, at a destination D or D23 Expo, your face lights up when you share this this information. And and I can sort of feel that coming through on the the pages of the book. So for for all of that you do for carrying this legacy, not just of Dave and the archives and the different divisions of the company forward, but helping to continue to make it exciting and emotional and fun and interactive for guests and fans. Uh, I sincerely, I really do. I appreciate the work, not just on the book, but everything that you do for the company. Oh, Lou, thank you. That is, that is so kind of you to say, and it, it's pretty amazing. I do want to say really quickly at the archives, we'd like to say, you know, we don't know all the information. We don't have all the information in our heads, but we know where to find the information. So, um, the A to Z is one of those places, so it makes it a little bit easier uh, to access. Um, but thank you. We, we, I really appreciate that. Obviously, you can find the book on Amazon. I think there's a few brick-and-mortar stores that are still um, out there as well. And uh, if you want to see Steve, so I'm, I'm assuming you'll be at, I want to get it right, D23, the ultimate, wait. I'm gonna... <laughs> yes, D23. Ultimate Disney fan event. That's it. Uh, in Anaheim this summer. Absolutely. So that's coming up pretty soon. The archives is excited to play a role, um, as as always. Um, so tickets are on sale March 26th. That'll be this August. We're looking August 9th, 10th, and 11th in Anaheim. More information at ultimatefanevent.d23.com. So 
uh, I will see you there, hopefully. Absolutely. We will be there. We'll have a booth again uh, this year. I'm certainly going to link to where you can find the book, uh, certainly to the archives and D23 and, and again, all the other sort of divisions of the company that you can follow along on social or by visiting their website. Um, and Stephen Bagnini, I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate uh, your time today, your friendship, your support, and, and everything that you've done, not just for me personally, but you know, for all of us Disney fans um, and, and what you do to preserve and um, and share the legacy of, of Walt and, and the company. Well, that means the world to me. And you know, every time I get to spend time with you, Lou, huge smile on my face always. So thank you for bringing me a big smile today. Thank you. All right, one last question. Going back to the arc, is there one holy grail of the archives that you think is sort of missing that, that one piece that you like that empty spot on a shelf that you wish you can find and, and fill just from a personal perspective? Oh, you know, that's, that's a great question. Many of these things are probably things that are, are long, no longer with us, right? Or things in somebody's are- attic, like somebody's <laughs> grandma has it up in the attic and they just don't know that it's there. That's such a great question. You know, Dave, Dave has always been searching or always searched for a couple merchandise pieces that would complete the watch collection or complete the Fantasia collection. Um, in in this case, I would say probably some of the early Disneylander Walt Disney World uh, materials that that we love. Whether it's um, say something from the Kitchen Cabaret, right? I think we're I think we're Kitchen <laughs> Cabaret in this room. So uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, apologies. But um, but I think the things that kind of resonate with your childhood probably are pretty great. But we're still on the look for a we're still on the search rather for a specific watch and a specific Fantasia piece. So if we can. Check that off for Dave. That'll make me happy. I'm sure. Go into your garages. Open up those buckets. And uh, find. I just did it a few weeks. I was cleaning out my garage and I opened up something from my child. And there's, I kid you not, there's a little pocket watch. You probably know the year, 73, 74. And it, I swoop my hand to God, it's still ticking. And I haven't touched it in decades. So um, that's my little bit. That's my contribution to my own personal archive. So Stephen Bagnini, thank you again. Thank you, Lou. It's been so great. Appreciate it. Get ready to test your Disney knowledge with our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week contest. See how well you know your Disney history, details, or can identify a quote or sound clip from the parks. If you get the answer right, you'll be entered to win a Disney prize package. And this week's trivia contest is brought to you by you. Because as part of the WW Radio Nation, you can become an important part of every episode, live show, and community. And for as little as a dollar per month, not only do you help support the show, but you also unlock exclusive rewards like monthly scavenger hunts, group crawls, there's our private community access, and monthly surprise packages from the parks, plus Your contribution helps our Dream Team project, which sends children with life-threatening illnesses to Walt Disney World through Make-A-Wish. And thanks to your incredible generosity, we've raised more than $550,000 so far. So you can join us and not only help making magic happen here on the show, but more importantly, for Make-A-Wish. I want to quickly thank some new and longtime members of the Nation family, including Christian Burke, Tiffany G., Jeremy Colligan, and Cheryl Montgomery. If you want to find out how to join the Nation family, you can visit www.radio.com slash support. Now, before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So this past weekend was the Princess Half Marathon weekend in Walt Disney World. Congratulations to anyone and everyone who laced up their sneakers 
walked, ran, walked, jogged, pushed, volunteered, cheered, participated in any way, either at the race or even cheered from at home. I was out there cheering with so many other members of our running team on Saturday and Sunday for the 10K and the half. And by the way, if you want to find out how you can be part of our WW Radio running team, we have more than 600 members from around the world. We participate in all the events in Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, and either even events at home. Visit www.run.com. And don't worry, you don't have to be a runner or athlete. You can come out and cheer and just support the team and be part of, of all these amazing fun weekends. Anyway, your question last week was about the Princess Half Marathon because this event actually started back in 2009 but replaced another Run Disney-themed race. Your question simply was to tell me what race did the Princess Half Marathon weekend replace in Walt Disney World back in 2009? Thanks to so many of you who entered, got this one correct. Some of you shared memories and photos from Princess Weekend or the original event, because from May 5th through the 7th, 2006, the original Disney Mini Marathon weekend was held although none of the races were actually marathons. There was a Women Run the World 15K, the Go Red for Women 5K, and a one-mile race that ran through downtown Disney. This race weekend ended in 2008 and was replaced by Princess in 2009. Anyway, I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and last week you were playing for the prize package that includes a WW Radio 3D keychain, some stickers, a pin, and a mystery prize. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Rachel Murphy. So, Rachel, congratulations. I'll get your prize package out to you right away. But if you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, the Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival, arguably, possibly, probably my favorite of all the Epcot festivals, starts this week in Epcot. Be sure to tune in on Wednesday night's live show, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. This week at youtube.com slash Radio. Come be part of the YouTube experiment that's going on right now. Anyway, as I was getting my stretchy pants ready and thinking back to Epcot Center of old and some of the changes that have happened and continue to happen to that central plaza and area and the dining and the shopping, including the beautiful new creation shop. And before it was this massive store with floor to ceiling windows, it was mouse gear. But what was the name of the original shop that was in this location? What was the name of the original shop that Mouse Gear replaced and now is the location of the creation shop in Epcot Center? You have until Sunday, March 3rd at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the form there. And again, this week, you're going to play for the keychain, the stickers, the pin, and a mystery prize, possibly, possibly from this year's Epcot Flower and Garden Festival. So good luck and have fun. Before you go, huge thanks for subscribing and tuning in this and every week. Thanks again to Stephen Vagnini. You can pick up your copy of Disney A to Z over on Amazon. And I'd love to know from you what item, like if you could access the Walt Disney archives, what would be that one item you would look for and want to find? Come be part of the community and conversation. Share your answer over in the clubhouse at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. There you can talk about anything that you want in the Disney universe. And let me know what you'd like to hear or learn about on the show. Connect and chat with me on social. I am at Lou Mangello on Instagram, Facebook, X, and LinkedIn. 
please make sure you subscribe and turn on notifications on our YouTube channel at www.com slash YouTube. Especially now as I'll be doing some experimenting on a few new things, including our live broadcast this Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Also, be sure to head over to www.radio.com where you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter for exclusive information and get a free copy of my 102 Things to Do in Walt Disney World At Least Once book. You can also find out about our in-person events, Meet of the Month, and cruises on the Disney Magic and upcoming cruise on the Disney Treasure. Please also check out the updated LouMangelo.com. I am a keynote speaker where I share lessons learned from the Disney parks on customer service and experience. And I also want to be your personal mentor and guide with coaching and events, including my weekend retreat coming up in April. There's just four seats left. So whether you are a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, or a business owner, I want to help you take that idea, business, brand, content, product, or channel to the next level. Again, you can learn more by visiting lumangelo.com. And are you planning your next Disney adventure or visit to the parks or maybe looking to book your next cruise? Let mousefantravel.com be your guide as the official and recommended travel provider for WW Radio. They are the experts that I have trusted and more importantly, recommended for more than 17 years. They offer personalized service, expert advice, and amazing deals to help make your trip unforgettable, and it all comes at no cost to you. And don't just take my word for it. You can experience the magic for yourself and see why Mouse Fan Travel is my go-to trusted resource and provider for all things travel-related over at mousefantravel.com. And finally, most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love and appreciate you, and always remember to choose the good in your thoughts, your words, your food, and your deeds. I hope that this is your best week ever. So until next time, see ya. Hey, this is Sean Johnson from Ohio. I just heard the show about uh, Adventureland. And the one thing you I always talk about to people, how I love it, is those the water feature, I guess, is a little tiki, the wood, kind of kind of outside of the, uh, the jungle cruise, how it sprays the water, you know, at nighttime, it's hot. I think that adds to it. it it's another one of those water smells in Adventureland. And there's nothing better than Adventureland at night. You know, you go into that area with those things spraying, you know, on a spring, summer, fall night. It's just like you said, the whole ambiance. But I wanted to add that water feature. Thank you. Love the show. Bye. Hey, Lou, it's Patrice. The show with you and Tim, I saw the end of it last night. That was so great when you were giving him a hug and you went in for a hug just like Wally was goes in for a hug when he and Eva are, are, are dancing out in space. I like to imagine it was you and Tim going out and not dancing, not in a weird way, but you, it was like a Wally hug. It was the best. That was a super good show. It just seemed like from the beginning you guys were having so much fun. My My persistence paid off because I got to see you guys hugging, and, 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 and he even looked like he was enjoying the hug, not in a weird way. Take care. Bye.